we get the latest from Highland Park, where Lake County State's Attorney Eric Reinhardt just wrapped up a press conference. Let's get the latest from WBEZ reporter Mariah Wolfel, who's at the scene. Hey, Mariah. Hey, Sasha. In a moment, we're going to learn more on the victims of Monday's mass shooting. But first, I do want to ask you what we learned this morning from State's Attorney Reinhardt. Sure. So as, as you heard in the newscast at the top of the hour, um, uh, Bobby Cremo was denied bail. Um, he faces life in prison for the murder, uh, uh, the alleged murder of seven people. And police say that he, um, you know, confessed to being on the rooftop, uh, watching over the parade and aiming at people and firing his gun. Um, also, new information today is that uh, Cremo then, as we know, we knew, found out yesterday that he drove to Madison, Wisconsin, um, after running from the scene, dropping the gun that he that he allegedly used at the scene, um, and then drove to Wisconsin in the time that police were hunting for him. Um, Lake County State's Attorney said today that he had planned, uh, potentially contemplated, um, using another gun in his car that he had to um, harm people at an event in Madison. Not sure exactly what that event was, but mm. it was a July 4th celebration. Um, and so very, you know, harrowing news to find out today that he contemplated this. Um, uh, the sheriff's office said that they're not exactly sure why he changed his mind, but uh, potentially because he hadn't done enough planning um, to, you know, open fire on that event. Um, you know, as, as we've heard, he had been planning the Highland Park shooting for weeks. Wow. And and what do we know about the charges brought against him? Sure. So he's charged with seven counts of first-degree murder. Um, there will be more charges to come, according to the state's attorney. You know, the state's attorney is looking at attempted murder for the people who were harmed at the parade. Um, he, he's, you know, for he said there, there could potentially be a charge for every round he fired for for you know, attempting to, to kill someone and so or, or aggravated battery with a firearm for the people who were harmed. And so he said in the coming weeks, um, you can expect potentially dozens of more charges. Uh, Cremo, you know, absolutely faces life in prison. Wow. Well, Lake County State's Attorney Eric Reinhardt also made a plea to the public this morning. Let's listen. This is an ongoing and active investigation with all of our law enforcement partners. If anyone has any surveillance footage whatsoever of the July 4th Highland Park Parade, we would urge them to contact the Highland Park Police Department. So even with all the uh, the new information learned this morning, it sounds like they're still gathering as much evidence as possible and, and really seeking the public's help, Mariah. Yeah, I mean, they've talked about how big of a crime scene this is. There's obviously the very, you know, close vicinity of, or the, the vicinity where people were shot, um, you know, within the line of sight from Cremo on the rooftop. But then, you know, people are running. Um, yesterday, the sheriff's office talked about how, you know, people could have had traces of evidence on their shoes as they ran. Um, and so it's a very large crime scene that they're trying to piece together. Um, they say that they have surveillance video of Cremo walking, um, you know, to the parade site, presumably before the event. Um, and, you know, they're piecing together all of these, all of this surveillance video. They are still trying to speak to 
who they believe is a female witness who potentially saw Cremo with a firearm. They, you know, were making a plea to that person yesterday, and mm-hmm. they said today they still hadn't heard from that person. Did they say when you would hear more? So today was, they just announced that this was potentially, you know, the last, you know, by the hour update that they're going to be giving. They obviously have a lot of work to do, um, but that we can expect to hear more charges uh, in the coming weeks. Obviously, they'll be, you know, presumably they'll be answering individual questions from media outlets who continue to cover this. Um, but in terms of like regular press conferences, today's after the bond court hearing was the last regularly scheduled one. And then um, I believe there's a status hearing at the end of this month on the 28th mm-hmm. for Cremo. And so that would be the next time he would potentially appear in court. He appeared in court today on Zoom, you know, sat still. Uh, he was in a in a in in the jail, in the holding area, um, wearing a black top you couldn't see his bottom it was just you know a a typical zoom view of a person and he sat there kind of emotionless and did not react um to to any of the news we heard him speak one word one or two words when he said that he didn't have an attorney um he had initially had a private attorney yesterday but um that attorney said today that he was notified of a conflict of interest in representing Cremo, and so now Cremo will be represented by the public defender. I see. Well, you're there on scene. What, what are you keeping your eye on, Mariah? What, what questions still remain for you? Well, I really want to find out what services are going to be available for victims. There's a center opening at the Highland Park High School at 12 p.m., and that's run by the FBI and federal government. And um, the sheriff's office has said that anyone who has been harmed by the shooting mentally or physically can go and, you know, sign up for potential services. So I, I don't know what those services look like. They've said they could be fiscal, they can be, you know, therapeutic uh, services, um, trauma services, but I'm, I'm going to head out there and just kind of talk to people about how they're feeling today now that Cremo is being held without bond. Yeah. Um, but also big questions remain about char- potential charges uh, against his family. You know, uh, there's been a lot of talk of how he got this, fo- his FOID card, the license to uh, buy a gun right. in Illinois. And we now know that his father was the one who signed off on his FOID application. Um, so is there potential liability against his father? The state's attorney was asked that question today said he didn't want to comment on potential charges. Um, He said he has never brought charges against a family member who signed off on a FOIA card, but that, you know, he's looking at potential precedent in in maybe other states. He mentioned Michigan, excuse me. And so that's going to be a huge question going forward, too. That's WBEZ reporter Mariah Wolfel. Thank you, Mariah. Thanks, Sasha. Now let's talk about the most important people in this story. Nicholas Toledo Zaragoza. Jacqueline Sundheim, Stephen Strauss, Kevin and Irina McCarthy, Catherine Goldstein, Eduardo Uvaldo. These are the seven people who were killed at the 4th of July parade in Highland Park. Now, to their communities, they were so much more than just victims. Toledo was a grandfather on a trip from Mexico to see his family. Sundheim was a dedicated volunteer at her synagogue. Goldstein was an avid birdwatcher. Strauss still showed up to his financial office 
at the age of 88. And the McCarthys, they used their bodies to protect their two-year-old son. WBEZ's Susie Ahn spent yesterday talking to friends and family and community members of the victims, and she's here to tell us what she's learned. Hey, Susie. Hey, Sasha. How were Highland Park residents feeling when you talked with them yesterday? Uh, People were just in shock and disbelief. Um, You know, that's what I kept hearing from folks. Residents talked about how they love this community and it's known for being safe. Uh, They would never think anything like this would happen. And, um, you know, people I spoke to say it's a close community. So nearly everyone knew someone who was impacted in some way. Well, you talked with folks along that parade route. Here is Lindsay Meltzer. She's the owner of the smoothie shop, Bright Bowls. My whole staff, they're 18 to 22 years old. And yesterday, they were amazing. I mean, we they sprung into action. They were calm and just, I mean, we, they kept me calm sometimes. They, they were truly unbelievable. And I needed, we all needed a mental day today. So she mentioned her relatively young staff there, all 18 to 22-year-olds. These are kids who have probably grown up doing active shooter drills. Yeah, which is which is kind of crazy to think about, but that's just sort of the reality now. Mm-hmm. Um, but as Meltzer said, you know, her young staff, they were able to jump into action. And she told me they helped gather in about 100 or so people into the store to shelter in place. Um, and, and while the shop was closed yesterday, she and her husband were out passing out smoothies to officers investigating. They just felt like they needed to do something, um, even if it was a small gesture. Yeah. Talk about Nicolas Toledo Zaragoza. He was visiting from Mexico, right? Yeah, Nicholas was visiting family. He was 78 years old and, and had a very large family. Um, eight eight kids, two dozen grandkids, close to a dozen great-grandchildren. Wow. And, and many of them lived in the area. The pandemic had kept him away for the past couple of years. So he was very happy to be able to spend quality quality time with his family. Um, and now they're all just so devastated. Finally, he could travel, come to the States and visit. And wow. <sighs> yeah. Uh, you talked with Fabiola Toledo, who is uh, Nicholas's granddaughter. I want to play just a little bit of what she had to say. My dad, he's a very nice. Uh, he's coming here for three months. And um, he wants to stay here for probably six months. And he's so happy. We're ev- we're uh, A in the family. And my dad, he say he wants to stay longer because he want to be safe with the whole family. Almost the whole family is here. So, gosh, he was just really enjoying his time with the family. Yeah, and and Fabiola told me that the family regularly uh, attended the Highland Park Parade, and um, so her father was so happy to be outside. And she says now one of the the younger children um, keeps asking her when he'll be home, and she just doesn't have the heart to say what happened. Highland Park and uh, its neighboring town, Highwood, they've got a strong Latino community as well. What have you learned about this community? and how they're dealing with this. Yeah, and, and I think that is very important to note. Um, not only a, a, a large Latino community, but a sizable undocumented community. Um, I spoke with a case manager at the Highwood Public Library who's been busy making calls to families around the area, um, and she's, she says people are, are just traumatized. Um, many people were at the parade. Uh, some, some were shot or, or knew people who had been shot. Um, she told me there was a, a woman who had a video from the parade that she wanted to give to police, but she was scared to come forward because of her status. Um, and so um, that case manager was able to 
uh, deliver that video on her behalf. But, you know, there's there's just an extra layer of fear there. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the people that you talked to is a Highwood resident named Beatrice Simon, known as Betty. Here's what she had to say. Right now, my son doesn't want to get out from the house. I don't want to. I had to walk my dog from yesterday into today. He wasn't going outside. I take him today, uh, but before taking him out, I was in the window looking like 20 times before to get out because I was so scary. Uh, mostly must because my, it was my neighbor. So, you know, there's not just this large Latino community in Highwood. We also learned yesterday, Susie, that the shooter is from there. So how are they processing that? Like he was living, you know, right within those streets. Yeah. I mean, it's been really tough. Uh, Betty actually told me that uh, she lived like just a few doors down from Mm -hmm. um, where Cremo lived. Um, And so while I was talking to her, you know, she started to cry and needed to take a break. Just, just, you know, she's been having a hard time wrapping her mind around the fact that she had lived so close to this person. And even though he's in custody, it's just the fear. She can't shake it. And so she and her son um, are are just terrified to leave their house. Tell us about uh, Jacqueline Sundheim. She she was a former teacher, right? Yes, Jackie Sundheim um, was 63. And and, um, Lindsay Meltzer, who we heard from earlier, said her, her kids actually had Jackie as a preschool teacher. Um, so she was someone who was very much part of the community. She also volunteered at her synagogue, North Shore Congregation Israel. Have you heard anything from the synagogue? Yes, we got a, a statement from the synagogue. Um, they are, are, of course, in, in disbelief and, and are grieving for um, Jackie and her family. And, and they said her work, kindness and warmth touched everyone. Uh, this one hit hard yesterday when we learned the identities of uh, the mm. McCarthy's. Yeah. I, Kevin and Irina, you know, folks piecing together that the, the toddler that was wandering belonged to them. They were young yeah. parents, right? Yeah, this this was a couple. Uh, they were they were in their 30s. Um, both were fatally shot at the parade. Um, and, and the two year old that you mentioned, that was their son, Aiden, um, who was found wandering around the area. And it's, it's just heartbreaking. Um, Fortunately, someone found him and brought him to the police station and, and residents uh, recognized him and, and they were able to help uh, connect him with his grandparents who are now caring for him. Um, and, and of course, there have been many GoFundMe pages set up for um, a lot of the victims. And, and you can see that the, the story of, of the McCarthy's and their son Aiden has, has really stuck with people. Um, and so that fundraiser yeah. has, has raised more than $2 million. So I've far. seen the, the images of his little face. Just, yeah. just heartbreaking. So, you know, Betty, as you mentioned, who lives in Highwood, she just lived down the street from the shooter. Uh, you also met Charlotte Bank, who went to his church. You, you met her at a prayer vigil there. Uh, let's listen to what she had to say. I saw him Thursday night and I saw him Sunday morning at the church. And I asked him, well, hey, Bobby, what do you have going on for the weekend? Do you go to, do you like to celebrate Fourth of July? Or, you know, what's going on? And he really just said, no, he didn't really have any plans or anything. Um, so I saw him the day before it happened, and I saw him the Thursday before that. And the day before it happened, he didn't seem any different than other times? Nothing. Nothing. So that's partly why I'm here, to try to get comfort from the other people who knew him and um, and from my belief in God and, and prayer and, you know, just to try to reconcile 
um, the difference in those two those two pieces of knowledge. Gosh, she's describing such a casual conversation with him just the mm-hmm. day before. Yeah, I mean, Charlotte was just trying to make sense of all of that. You know, she she now sees him as two different people, and she's trying to process that soft spot she has for the person she knew before Monday. And, um, you know, people, members of her church, they were kind of going together to all the various prayer vigils yesterday and and, um, just trying to process the person they knew before. Well, you've had these conversations, very difficult conversations, Susie. What parts of this story are you going to report on next? Um, Well, we've just learned of the seventh victim who um, you named earlier, uh, Eduardo Valde, uh, who's 69, and and we'll um, uh, hopefully be bringing more information about him. Um, I'll also be reporting more on the supportive services available, um, particularly to the immigrant population of the area. So hoping to bring more on that. Suzyan is an education reporter here at WBEZ. She was on the scene in Highland Park talking to victims, families, and the community. Thank you so much, Susie. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.